Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional. Today, we're brought to you by Time to Pet and the peaceful pet music, Calm Music for Pets, YouTube channel. Why is it so important that we not only set policies, but we clearly communicate them to all of our clients and potential clients? And how do we stay positive when we don't really have those best days in front of us? Today, we are super excited to have Tori Levitt, owner of Do Little's Doghouse, on the show to talk about her 15 years in the pet care industry, how she maintains her boundaries and prevents herself from being overwhelmed with client demand, and keep up with our self-care moments, and why she is so incredibly passionate about education as a business owner. Let's get started. Thank you, Colin. So I am the owner canine concierge and founder of Doolittle's Dog House, which is a pampered pet care service in the greater Phoenix metro area. So for 15 years, myself and my team of nannies have been serving pet owners in the valley in the interest of cage-free boarding, move-in house and pet care, We do some fur babysitting, pet taxi. I have dog trainers on the team, so we offer private lessons, board and train, and just about anything else that our clients need in the interest of taking care of their pets. By the way, my team are referred to as nannies because we are nannies to the furry children in the family. We are more than pet sitters. And um, it's it's just a privilege to be here with you and share with your audience some of our history journey and uh, just recognize that we're we're all in this together. In the interest of pampered pet care, doing what we love and making a business out of it. At the end of the day, it it is a business, and and you mentioned there about doing just about anything else that the clients needs. How how do you balance that with? Serving the clients, meeting their needs, growing and expanding services without being led by your clients and losing control of your business? It's a great question. I think it's important to start with basic services, what you feel you can provide comfortably and capably. And then as you grow and develop a larger client base, Perhaps add services along the way and recognize that sometimes adjustments need to be made with regard to the type of clients you take on and or what services matter to you the most. For example, some pet sitters may want to focus strictly on daily walks and visits. So this is a a great business model. You build to, let's say, eight clients a day that you're visiting for dog walks and visits, and that's your primary focus. Somewhere along the line, those clients may ask you to move into their house. Maybe beyond a 30-minute visit, they have a three- or three-week vacation planned. So you kind of have to assess, what am I able to bring on in conjunction with How much can I handle in a day? Where are my strengths? And am I ready to grow in that direction? Really starting from where 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 we're comfortable with, because that's going to teach us a lot about 
where we're still deficient. It's going to teach us a lot about what kind of proving the market for our skill sets to our clients. And then it's not just about changing the services because that's where we tend to focus is, oh gosh, what kind of services can I offer my clients? I think it's also important to remember what kind of clients do I want to serve? Right. That right. It's it's very important that we have both of those mindsets going at the same time when running the business so that we don't get offset and we're cross talking to the wrong people about the right thing. Exactly. And the clients are on both two and four legs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So to elaborate, when I first started uh, back in 08, I was a successful mortgage loan officer, and I got caught up in the swell of the real estate crash, 2008, trying to figure out, whoa, what does this mean for my future? And at the same time, a friend asked me to watch her dogs. Easy. We all do that for our friends, right? So I had two dogs. She had two dogs. I had four dogs running around, and I thought, this is fun. I should charge for this. Here I am, 15 years later. So, Colin, before I knew it, I had 10 dogs per day on any given day. I was just starting with cage-free boarding. Little old me, my then 10-year-old son, and all of his Boy Scout friends that would come over for the weekend, (laughs) and 10 dogs pole vaulting over each other in my home of all ages, sizes, dispositions. And (laughs) I learned so much from the dogs themselves and those early years. So I started off strictly with cage-free boarding. Hmm. Now I have a menu of services that I'm able to offer, having built a team of pet nannies to work with me. And along the way, we've made adjustments. So 2008, cage-free boarding in Tori Levitt's house with a bunch of Boy Scouts to help walk the dogs. (laughs) Then one Christmas, two to three years in, I have 12 dogs staying with me. It was too, too many. I ran out of room in the bed. I literally, in my own bed, had two Rhodesian Ridgebacks, a Weimariner, my own Havanese, a Shih Tzu, and I think an elderly poodle in the quilt somewhere. (laughs) I I was up against the headboard. I thought, okay, this is cuckoo. I need to figure this out, make some adjustments. And at that point, I realized it's time to hire. Surely there are other people out there like me that want to cater to dogs in the home, whether or not we allow them to sleep in the bed with us, just the opportunity to share our home with other people's dogs. And I went out, carefully started hiring one by one and just made adjustments along the way to perfect our services, our protocols, our policies. And I did at that point realize, too, I needed infrastructure. I needed to automate. I needed a client contract to set those expectations, if not liability 
responsibilities, waivers, etc. That while I was learning on the job, it, I needed to take my education to another level. I did join an association in those early years in order to gain those resources that I critically needed in order to continue to scale and manage the growth of my business. It is finding out those resources at each stage that you need it to. What's appropriate for me? What am I lacking? And that takes a, a sense of being humble enough to admit that we don't know everything. Right? And, Absolutely. And a, a, unfortunately, sometimes that is forced upon us when we find ourselves in a situation before we're ready for it. But a lot of times we're able to sit and with a little bit of planning, identify those those weak spots that we have and try and figure out, okay, how do I, how do I cover that? Right. What do I need to get that taken care of? It sounds like that was kind of a process that you were going through of as you were growing and expanding and feels like you've got this eight legged monster running around going now, wait, wait a minute. How that's, uh, let me, let me figure this out because this doesn't feel good. Right. (laughs) Well, I think the first thing, uh, it was important to recognize, holy cow. Pet owners want what I have to offer. Hmm. Obviously, the trends in pet ownership have changed measurably, recognizing that pet owners are treating their dogs and cats like children. And this is the good news, the good news for pet sitters. It's easy to cater to that, recognizing that 65% of households own a pet with dogs leading the way. So you have a huge audience out there. It's just a matter of finding them. And in my case, they found me. They just kept coming. I was delivering services that they wanted that they couldn't get elsewhere. I was offering an alternative to pet resorts, kennels, and cages. And that alternative was far more caring, loving, and hands-on. And that's what people wanted. So catering to both the two-legged client and the four-legged client, offering what they want, what I was able to provide and doing it with such positivity and passion, they kept coming. How how much of this was from your your mortgage days versus just an idea or perception of what you knew to to do kind of inherent to how to run that service? Thank you. That's a great question because as a mortgage loan officer of 30 years, and I just indicated how old I am, I stopped focusing early on in that career. I stopped focusing on how much am I going to make on this transaction? How much will this loan amount equal in a paycheck and score points with my manager? and the board of directors regarding hitting my quota. Instead of focusing on hitting quotas, how much am I making? I focused on the relationship, recognizing I am here to help families realize their financial goals, needs, and the dream of homeownership. So I'm going to build that relationship knowing that it's not just about this transaction. It is going to be a relationship for life. They're not going to live in this house forever. They're going to sell, upsize, downsize, and eventually 
as I grew older and honed my skills as a loan officer, I started doing the loans for the kids in the family. That's when I realized, okay, I am no longer younger than my applicants. Okay, but (laughs) (laughs) back to your point, stay humble. So I took that uh, approach to building a relationship, not sweating the money as much. How much am I going to make today? And in addition to that, critical thinking skills and an acute attention to detail. You sit down to take a person's loan for a mortgage, you're digging deep. Mm. So an acute attention to detail, critical thinking, trying to think ahead. uh, How am I going to get this family approved for the loan amount they need to buy the house they want? While building the relationship with the client, And the realtors that were out there putting buyers and sellers together, I needed to develop a relationship with them because they were my referral source, therefore my bread and butter. So it wasn't that difficult to transition from that mindset into how can I build a relationship with this pet owner and who are my resources for referrals? Hmm. primarily. A happy client. That's the two legged. It's going to run out and share with their friends what kind of great experience Fido had and making sure Fido is getting the best experience possible and finding other resources for potential referrals. Networking. Instead of realtors, now I'm calling on veterinarians, groomers, daycare operate, doggy daycare operators, other trainers, et cetera, so on. So as disparate as it sounds to go from mortgage to pet city, it was really uh, very synchronistic. Well, and and it, kind of what I'm, I'm hearing a through line too is is also knowing the system, right? When you talk about how do I take this person and match them with the home, given all these things, what has to happen? What needs to be in place? What are my options? How do I put this puzzle together? We do that all the time whenever somebody calls us looking for our services. What are your wants? What are your needs? What are your expectations? Now, what do I offer? How do I offer that? What can I put together? What? How do I create and craft this to meet your needs? And not just meet, but hopefully exceed them all the while focusing on, I want what's best for you. I want what's best for you, right? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you whether that this is going to work or not. I'm sure you had many of those conversations, Tori, of going, hey, that home, oh, it's a beautiful home. It's great. That We can't make that work, right? That's right. not going to work for us. Being able to deliver that bad news in a way that is still productive, all the while also thinking about, because it, it's hard because you, you are driven to go, I have to make this sale or as a business owner, I've got to close this deal on the phone. Otherwise, <laughs> right. otherwise I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, pay for a dinner tomorrow or whatever. And we're driven to just take on things instead of stepping back and going, no, what, what's, what, what really is best for them? What's best for me? And how do I build this relationship? And that helps us too when we have to go. Now I have to tell you not just that I can help you, but it, but let me build this relationship, make sure it's a good fit. And so when I tell you the price, like it's not, a, you know, I'm going to be okay whether you accept that or not, because that's just what it is. You don't come out the shoot quoting your rate, but you ask the question, what have your past boarding experiences been like when you've traveled and couldn't take Fido with you? Yeah. And let them tell the story. Also keep in mind that I know we get focused so much on 
am I charging enough? Am I charging too much? Oh, I if I've lost a client because uh, they balked at the price, et cetera, so on. Um, I think it's important to absolutely stick to your guns. You know what you know about the competition. You know what makes you different, more unique, and in your own mind better. And I know that you are. And uh, go with that and go with faith. But keep also in mind, people will always spend money on their kids and their pets. Mm-hmm. How many dog owners have you talked to that will jokingly, with half truth behind it, tell you that they're eating ramen noodles so their dog can have filet mignon? Yeah. People are sparing no expense for their pets and their children. And they're one and the same in many regards. So if you look at the this billion dollar industry in totality, like pet sitting and pet care is just a part of it. But look at what people are paying for healthcare, veterinary, diet, accessories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of accessories. Well, and I think it's it's important too to remember that your client's price is not your price. Exactly, and that's that is really hard. I mean, I'll we had uh, a client recently that that traveled. Uh, they were going to Japan for a month and a half, and they wanted us to come over four times a day. And and I t- when I when we put it together and we looked at this price and it was almost four thousand dollars. I was like, well. I ho like I've bought I bought a whole car for less than that one time. Like, what is what is even is this number? Like, I, I the sweat was happening. I was shaking, typing out this number. Like, it was bad, Tori. Like, I was not okay with it. And we, but we looked at it and we were like, for a month and a half of care. Like, my first visit is like my last visit is way more complicated than my first visit for that length of time. Okay. There's no way I can discount that. I, who am I undervaluing? Myself, my staff. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I mean, and we set it off and we were like, well, that was a big joke. I'm glad we could all laugh about that. And they came back and said, do you need it paid all up front or can we, or, you know, do you take a deposit? And she, they just paid it up front. And I was like, what? what? Like, what is it? What? People will pay the value that they perceive. I agree. That, that's what it, and I just stared at this text being like, what? What's going on in the world? Like, it was a lot. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. And so it's important for every pet sitter out there to remember to stick to their guns. They know, stick to your value, stick to your rates. You cannot discount for one without discounting for others. Mm. So if it comes down to a barter, a client is asking you to discount, cut the rate. No, I don't want to spend $4,000 for four visits. Maybe it's only three visits a day that they can afford whatever. But when they ask you to start halving your rates, then you're opening yourself up to having to do that again and again and again with other clients down the line. And that's not fair to you. And it's not fair to the future clients that are willing to pay full price. Because they are out there, right? And I think that's part, that's a lot about what it means to take this job seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it 
It's serious fun. We're having fun caring for other people's pets. You've heard it said before. We'll all agree. Pets are easy. Client management is what takes a little more finesse. And that depends on how long of a day you have had when you're taking that call and you know you should have let it roll to voicemail. Um, it's serious fun in the standpoint that pet sitting is an opportunity for a lot of folks to pursue their passion. Definitely a passion for animals. You got to love animals or you don't belong in this business. You have to be okay with dog hair on your clothes. You have to be okay with dogs that are going to vomit on your carpet, et cetera, et cetera, right? (laughs) And yet it is a little more than just daydreaming about having a cute little shih tzu in your lap that you're petting all day between meals. Every dog and cat has their own personality, proclivity, and unique needs. And it's easy to uncover what they are if you're asking the right questions up front and you're fully committed and paying attention to what those needs are. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Dan from NYC Pooch has this to say. Time to Pet has been a total game changer for us. It's helped us streamline many aspects of our operation, from scheduling and communication to billing and customer management. Uh, We actually tested other pet sitting softwares in the past, but these other solutions were clunky and riddled with problems. Everything in Time to Pet has been so well thought out. It's intuitive, feature-rich, and it's always improving. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. Clients ask for all sorts of things. At the end of the day, they're going to ask for a lot. And it's our <laughs> job to determine whether that's a good fit. Because, you know, at the, like, the, just because they ask for it or they, they, they say they need it, it doesn't mean that, that it's right or that it should happen or that it needs to happen. That goes everything from the, the, the pricing structure to, oh, can you leave my dog in the front yard on this yard chain all day long? And exactly. Going, that's right. And knowing where those boundaries are. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, one, one thing that I learned uh, in those early years of on-the-job training, all-in, Westminster Parade happening daily in the Levitt household. I I learned so much from the dogs themselves. It was crazy. Uh, Which is where Doolittle's Doghouse came from. I was running around really interacting meaningfully. And I thought, you know, just like Dr. Doolittle, I too can talk to the animals. The love language that a dog speaks is so pervasive relative to their innate, innate abilities as they are communicating through their body language, vocalization, eye contact, and um, (laughs) you get it. But at the same time, when you have a client, I agree with you, asking um, to do something that you don't agree with. You mentioned the dog being tethered to a tree all day. Those kinds of clients aren't calling me. My website doesn't attract those kinds of clients and I would want nothing to do with that type of client. Absolutely not. 
I mean, stop me from calling Maricopa County animal control if I find out that's what you're doing. Um, Yet, if a client, oh, let's say, drops their dog off with a retractable leash, I'm not using that. I have my own six-foot nylon leash that I really prefer to walk a dog with. If the client suggests that a shock collar, a prong collar, a choke collar is what we need to do to control that dog, I have a problem with that. So how do I address the ill-mannered dog that needs to be walked? As an example here, what clients are asking us to do. I am not going to walk the dog with a punitive accessory. I will share with the client. I am happy to include a daily walk as a complimentary add-on to my service, provided it will be a safe and joyful experience for both me or my nannies and the dog. So if we are getting drugged down the street, taken to the concrete by an ill-mannered dog, the answer is not, where's the shock collar? The answer might be, I can't walk your dog, but I can do everything else you need in order to provide a safe and joyful experience while he's boarding with us. Um, there might be some other workarounds. Let's put a backpack on this dog. Let's see if that helps. A doggy backpack. These are sold Petco, PetSmart, et cetera. Put a backpack on the dog, weight either side with a small bottle of water. Now you're giving the dog a job. You're giving him something to do during that walk, and it's going to slow him down a little. You're not weighting him down to the point where he can't move. You're not breaking his back, but you're finding a workaround that is keeping the dog safe, allowing you to walk him and achieve his exercise and mental stimulation needs. And now your client's happy. It, it is such a different perspective to take that and go, instead of going, oh my gosh, why do all these people keep calling me and they keep asking me to do things that I don't want to do, right? Uh, they call me and they want to use the squirt bottle on the cat or they call right? me and they want to do this. And they call <laughs> me and they, why do they keep calling me? Well, the, 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 taking that step back and going, A, they, they probably don't know any better. Nobody's Exactly. They've never encountered a professional pet sitter, professional, professional pet service that'll go, hey, I hear you use this. Um, let me talk to you about some of the options that we provide um, that are actually better in the long run for how we do this. No, li- Nobody's ever done that to them. That's that's my understanding. That's what I've encountered every single time I have that conversation with the clients who ask us to do something is going, well, did you know there was another option? And they look at you like, what? No. Like, how, for, how, how long has there been an option? And usually about 30 years, but that's besides the point. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just going, hey, let me talk to you. And this is where you're going... This is a partnership. And, okay, so that goes back to the point of education. So you're a pet sitter. Get out there and educate yourself with regard to all these resources, options, and alternatives so that you can not only grow your business, do so safely and manageably, but help the client in the process. That's part of the relationship building. Teach them about the things that you've taught yourself or through resources that you've drummed up. Now you are not only the pet sitter for Fido, 
next Friday to Thursday, but you are that client's confidant. They're going to start asking you, hey, do you happen to know a good groomer? Hey, is there another vet you can recommend? We're not comfortable with ours, et cetera, so on. So they, they keep tapping into you because you have created a Wikipedia of yourself that is helping those clients strengthen their bond with their animals. And yeah, you. Well, yeah, exactly. And yourself. And it and part of that is is whenever you start educating them. That information they take with them, that goes out into the broader public. They're talking to their friends. They're talking with their vet, their groomer, their other trainer about this information that you're sharing them. And then it gets back to the fact that it, it kind of all trickle, you know, trickles back down that, oh, you're the pet sitter. You're the company that gives that kind of advice. And what I know a goal of ours is we recognize that we're not the only person in the world of this pet owner, right? They do see a vet. They do see a groomer. They do see a trainer. They probably do see a kennel and a boarding facility from time to time. They see, you know, a nutritionist, they, all these people. One of our goals, we want to make the lives of those people better. So we want to help educate them so that they go to the vet more, they go to the groomer more, they go to the trainer more. And then what happens there is that, well, then they keep their pet longer. And then it's easier to maintain that. And so that's the education isn't just for, oh, let me show off how much I know, or let me do this one thing, or let me do this. It's no, it's to help them live a better life. And at the end of the day, going, they probably don't know any better. I have some information. Let me share it in a, in a kind way. And at the end, that's all I can do. If they just choose not to use it, that's fine. At least I've spoken my piece and I can walk the other way. Absolutely. And I think for, Every pet sitter out there, certainly looking to grow a business, need to face-to-face with those veterinarians, those groomers, those trainers. If you don't have any personal aspirations to train a dog, get to know some trainers in the area that you can trust. So you call on them. You refer your clients to them. They refer their clients to you. So. This was fun for me early on, armed with a fistful of brochures and business cards. I would target veterinarians in the area, but I looked at who offered boarding. And those that didn't became my target referral partners. So I would walk into the vet's office, walk to the front reception area. Hi. Do you offer boarding? No, I'm sorry, we don't. Great, because I do. (laughs) Hi, my name is Tori. I'm the owner of Doolittle's Doghouse. We offer cage-free boarding in the private home with my pet nannies. I am happy to make your acquaintance. We have clients that are moving into town all the time. They need veterinarians. I would like to establish a referral relationship with you. We are not going to trade money. We are going to simply trade referrals in the interest of professional pet care. Here are uh, you know, some brochures and business cards. Do you have any questions? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Let's get to know each other. Yeah. I know. It- it, it's 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 an aspect of when you make those connections. It's it's really doing being strategic about it and and going, what don't they have that I can help with? 
maybe where are they trying to go that I can help with? And and always reflecting back to them of not just, hey, you benefit me now, right? Like I need you to send people my way. Thanks, bye. That little phrase of people are always asking for vet recommendations and I'd love to get to know you more about that. Absolutely. It's, it's a reciprocal process. It goes out, it comes back in. And in that, because in that conversation, you don't, it, making it one-sided, of course, people are going to shut down. They're going to go, no, they're just asking for stuff from me, right? Like, right? This needs, again, this comes back to that partnerships, this relationship that we're building. And you take it one step further. The first chance you get to refer one of your clients to that veterinarian, you make sure that client knows, hey, be sure to say hello to Dr. Veterinarian on behalf of Doolittle's Doghouse. Give them our best. Give Stacy at the front desk a hug for us. And then when the clients are calling, I always ask, how did you hear about Doolittle's? The minute they tell me, oh, you're on the referral roster for XYZ vet company and clinic, I send a thank you. Just a simple written thank you. Dear staff, a pleasure to cater to Mr. and Mrs. Smith and our mutual client, Fido. Uh, So appreciate that. God bless. Let us know what we can do for you. Keep up the good, whatever. You have to acknowledge those referrals. Make sure you get credit for it. Make sure that you're asking the client, how did you hear about us? Thank that referral source and um, just keep asking for the business. Are you out of brochures? (laughs) Yeah. I did that, so that follow up is really important. Just doing one dump of a bunch, bunch of flyers, you know, that's not going to be enough, right? It, it's it, not. You know, and it's not just you're coming back to refill that. You're coming back in to say, oh, hey, cool. Oh, hey, I've ne- I haven't met your new vet tech. That's amazing that you brought somebody else on. How is so and so doing? Great to see. Like having that face and uh, that presence with them is also important. Absolutely. And then on occasion, you walk in with a bouquet of cookies. Yeah. (laughs) Your referrals are so sweet. Thank you so much. And it's a bouquet of cookies for the staff and the veterinarians, blah, blah, those little things. You don't have to do that every day. You don't have time to. But every now and then, uh, that goes a long way to maintaining those relationships with your referral partners. And... um, certainly should extend to your clients with regard to every opportunity you have to do something a little special. Maybe in the course of the conversation, when they're calling to book a service, they're letting you know that they are going on a cruise to celebrate their anniversary. Send a card in the mail. Happy anniversary. We're so excited that you have been together for X number of years, Mr. and Mrs. Enjoy your cruise. Fido is in good pause with us. Little things like that are important too. Tori, I know on your website you didn't you when you introduced yourself you didn't mention your title that you have on your website uh, as head wrangler. And so I'm I'm curious these these days you're 15 into this what kind of things are you wrangling? Well, we have to take that in context. <laughs> so the photo above that little uh, thumbnail of me and the title Head Wrangler, which I just created at the time. The context was at a 
nanny appreciation party. So again, my nannies, my sidekicks, if you will, I throw a party for them just to thank them Hmm. for everything they do. They're my boots on the ground. Uh, I may be the voice on the phone. They are face-to-face with the clients I may never meet personally, but for on the phone. And I treat them like gold because they are the backbone of my company. If it weren't for them, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be able to cater to the thousands of dogs and cats we have in our, quote, corral. So that was at a nanny appreciation party. It The backyard has a Western theme in the picture of all of my nannies that were able to attend the appreciation party that day. We're all in Western gear in front of that false Western front. And... We're wearing cowboy hats and boots, et cetera. I think I'm holding my hat. And I came up with head wrangler to coincide with the graphic that was being used. Hmm. And head wrangler can mean a lot of things. But one definition is someone who controls and looks after the animals. Hmm. So head wrangler is me. Connecting our clients, and their pets with my team of nannies for professional care and control. A lot of pet owners don't know how to react when their beloved pet is facing a bout of anxiety, noise sensitivity, or depression. However, various studies have shown that animals react very positively when calming music is played for them. As a trusted pet sitter, have your clients check out peaceful pet music Call Music for Pets on YouTube, where they can give their pet the best chance of relaxing while they're away. From peaceful melodies to soothing nature sounds, this YouTube channel is the go-to spot when your client's pet is anxious and you don't know where to turn. Complete with beautiful and vibrant animations, their videos will become your home for the tools needed to keep the client's pet in a state of peacefulness. Be sure to subscribe to Peaceful Pet Music, Calm Music for Pets on YouTube, and hit that bell so you never miss a moment of calm. You mentioned the the kind of the policies and procedures earlier. What are some that you wish you would have implemented sooner or maybe that you're most proud of that you have? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, My proudest moment was discovering pet sitter software to help automate the day-to-day client affairs, reservations, scheduling, pet details, etc. So as a mortgage loan officer graduating from ASU in 1984, once again I'm dating myself and that's okay. I'm comfortable. Um Back then, banks hadn't automated. The cell phone hadn't been invented yet. That came out a couple of years later by Motorola, big brick, size of a man's shoe. That was the first cell phone. And we were taking loan applications by hand on paper. So, (laughs) and I made house calls. If I were running late to an applicant's appointment, 
I pulled over to the side of the road with fistful of quarters and used a payphone to call. Now, fast forward those early years. I am keeping track of client details on paper. This is where I started, right? As a professional. And I have all of the client profiles on paper alphabetized according to the dog's name. So I get a call from Judy Smith at Plato. I'm running to my cabinet, pulling out in the F file. Fido, Fido. Okay. (laughs) That was insane. Mm. When I found the current software system we are employing, which is Pet Sitter Plus, which I highly recommend, and I know there are a number out there and they're all worth their salt, I'm sure. That's when the clouds parted. So that was an internal policy, an internal procedure change that had to happen to make my life easier. Um, boots on the ground policies include set time frames, set time frames. If you're boarding, there has to be a specific time for drop off and pickup. You do not have to make yourself available 24 seven. I am not a morning person. You don't want to see me at the crack of dawn. It's <laughs> trick or treat scary. <laughs> Nor do I want to open the door so you can pick up Fido when I it's PJ and night cream time for me. Yeah. So setting those boundaries and uh, sticking to them. And I know something that you're really big on, Tori, is is being positive and staying positive for us personally. You know how how do you stay positive? And when you say being positive, I I, I want to caveat that because a lot of people think, oh, that just means you know, grin and bear it. That just means push the stuff away. That just means I'm going to ignore my personal feelings and just put a smile on and go about my day. When you hear, when you encourage people to be positive and to, other than being an obvious possibility for a pun of being positive, um, how how do you approach that in your day to day and encourage the, your your team? Uh, faith and prayer. Faith and prayer is foremost uh, for me with regard to my perspective, my attitude. I am extremely authentic. I'm honest with myself, with my team. I am extremely dedicated. And that dedication also includes, it's not that pet parent's fault that I didn't ask the right question. Hmm. that they assumed it was okay to drop little Maggie off in heat. That's on me. I didn't ask the right question. So my biggest mantra, I try to remember this all the time. Life is like a camera. Focus on the big picture. Develop from the negative. And if it doesn't work out, take another shot. So I have to develop from every negative and look at it as an opportunity to learn, to improve, and not repeat again. And accepting the responsibility for that decision, that choice, that policy, etc., also means it's not the client's fault. I am not going to wreck their vacation They've just taken off. They're going to the airport. They've dropped the dog off in heat. That's on me now. The last thing I'm going to do is take my frustration out on them. I had to laugh at myself 
I, I think it was it was almost comical because here's this big golden retriever on one side of a baby gate, just drooling, drooling, drooling. Now, fortunately, Cruiser wasn't pole vaulting over the baby gate to get to Maggie, and she's on the other side. He's just sitting there drooling, <laughs> a river of drool. And Maggie's on the other end, all five pounds, doing a dance. Come get me dance. So looking at her little five pound body strutting and he's on the other side, drilling, drilling, drilling. And I recognize that nobody's going to scale the baby gate. I just have to keep them separated and do some rotation to get outside for our nature breaks. Keep Maggie under lock and key and um, and find the humor in that. So I could have sat there and wrung my hands and, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? I found, I, I'm sorry that I just, I find laughter to be a great release. And I'm laughing at myself more often than not. Just try, you've got to take yourself serious as a pet sitter, but not so serious that you fall into a state of despair, despair woe is me. Mm. Have your moments, your boohoo moments. Talk to your friends, talk to your comrades, go on Facebook and talk to each other, but just don't live there in that negativity. You allow that negativity to pervade everything going on inside your thoughts and uh, in your heart. You're going to drain yourself and you've got to just stay really positive. Again, through faith, prayer, laughter, and recognizing that every, quote, mistake is actually an opportunity to simply learn and improve. You know, I was uh, working with one of our staff members today, actually training them on on communication to clients. And, you know, we say, you know, we always keep communication positive to clients. And, and I know that many people may hear that and go, oh, so you just sugarcoat things or, or you lie whenever you say things or you don't Never. tell them everything's gone. No, 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 no. Right. When we say positive, it's, hey, we noticed this problem. Here's what we're doing about it. Or yes. we saw this thing. Here's what we think we should do. Having that solution, learning from it, growing from it, that is positive, right? That positive is always moving forward, trying one more time, doing one more thing and not just going, well, it didn't work out. I guess I'm going to sit over here, right? Because that's not doing anybody any good. Exactly. That's that's not what anybody wants. Somebody wants to interact with that kind of person. That's right. And recognize that for the most part, your clients are traveling for pleasure. They're on vacation. They don't want to hear that their dog's being a brat, that you know, the, the dog is out of control, the dog woke me up at 3 a.m. You just, you just roll with it. If it's super serious, dog is in distress, I'm running to the vet, of course you've got to share that. But I agree with you, putting a positive spin in suggestive mode as opposed to coming out the gate because you're frustrated and you're not taking the time to think about what you're saying, which might be in text, email, or conversation. So as children, we were taught to count to 10. Count to 10. Before you react, if you're getting yourself into a negative moment and you're frustrated, right? Yep. And count to 10. If that doesn't work, do it again, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or wait. 
Wait, you don't have to reply instantaneously to every single piece of data coming in front of you. There is an art to communication. Learn how to control it. So are you communicating via text only? Are you communicating through email? Are you communicating by phone? Mm. Uh, And know when to employ those techniques to your advantage. Texts are the best way to send a short and sweet message, but texts are often misconstrued. The brain cannot possibly process all the data that's coming at us in a moment and in a day. So we're we're all on the fly and we're trying to field those texts, get back to that client right away. And we're trying to field those emails and we're out in the field and we're in and out of our car. And suddenly something happens, the dog barks or the client asks for an extension. Hey, we're running late. You know, if that's going to blow your mind at the moment, because you are allowing yourself to become overwhelmed, breathe. Don't reply. Don't reply when you're angry. Count to 10. And if you can wait a little longer before you reply. Well, and that's the, you know, that's an an outflow of just that general concept of when I'm feeling negative, when I'm not feeling present, when I'm not feeling happy, it's a really rough day, right? Instead of just going, well, I guess I just need to be happy. I need to smile. Just taking those few moments to collect yourself, find some things to reflect on, to focus on, to, to, to meditate, to pray, whatever that is, basically you're, you're focusing away from the world around you back into the here and now on you and going, you know, those mindfulness techniques of what am I thankful for? What can I be happy about? What, you know, what's joy do I have right now? Simple questions that can make a huge impact on you that are important, not just for your longevity and your mental health, but also in how you respond to those situations of, of before I send that shoot off that text or before I make that angry phone call, let me just go through my checklist of why I'm happy today or or what I'm thankful for or or breathe twenty or thirty times and go and then with a clear mind, I can progress and, and I do want to add that if you have not taken a moment to reflect on how you like to the difference between how you like to message and how you like to receive messages or your clients do it's really important to know that. To know how, because and and what your um, hierarchy of communications are. What messages do you send through text? What does go through email? What does does go through your app? What does elevate to a phone call? And knowing each step along the way, so that when you are stressed out, when it is an emergency, you don't have to sit and think through that ladder. You already know what to go to. Absolutely. And when I feel myself escalating a little bit in frustration, I'm feeling overwhelmed, etc. I can hear it in my voice. And that's when I stop talking. Mm. Let those calls go to voicemail. Don't reply to the text. Walk away. Go have some ice cream, whatever it is. And and just regroup on whatever level is necessary. I also think it's important to take time for yourself. For me. It was necessary, pretty much worked 24-7 in those early days. Client called at 10 p.m. I ran to answer the phone. While the toilet's flushing, I am running to catch the phone. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's not a call. And, wow, that's okay. I had to earn my stripes. I had to dig in and work my 
tush off to build clientele. I canceled a lot of personal plans. My friends just got used to, oh, okay, Tori can't join us for dinner because she's got a dog being dropped off that, you know, wasn't coming when we booked our girls' night out, whatever. My friends got really used to that. Um, there was one Thanksgiving, for example. I had two Sharpays booked to stay with me. They were they were siblings. I knew them. I'd had them before. Easy peasy. And I was invited to dinner to my neighbors who lived right next door. Last minute, I get a call from a client who has a very active, energetic breed. And she needs boarding over Thanksgiving. I said, yes. Well, the dog arrived and didn't stop until 8 p.m. that evening. Not once took a break. All over the Sharpay. Thank God the Sharpays were accommodating. Nonstop, so hyper. There wasn't anything I can do to get her to take a little rest. So I let my neighbors and good friends know I won't be coming for Thanksgiving. 8 p.m., I scaled the block fence between us, and I go over there to grab a cold drumstick. This was not fun. (laughs) So, um, yeah, take time for yourself. Learn to say no. You don't have to accept every client, and you don't have to work 24-7. You may need to put a little more sweat and uh, and toil into the initial infrastructure and building your business, but get to a point where you're comfortable to take time for yourself. For me, that's weekends. Yeah, and I think that that goes into a lot an aspect of of Tori of um, a, a lot of people are trying to grow their businesses, they're trying to expand, they're trying to do things. And I know when people when we typically think of that, we're focused on the marketing, the policies, the procedures, the hiring. From your experience, what are some things that people may typically not anticipate needing to be prepared for or to have on hand as they grow their business? Personally, I think it's important to consider a website. That is your business card right there. And it's the perfect place to park your policies and bark about yourself. And it doesn't have to be fancy. Just a few landing pages. Uh, with contact information that will help establish your credibility, your dedication to your business, whatever you want to call your company name, your branding, etc. I get that there's a little expense involved with that, but I do think it pays itself in spades. As you nurture that website, our website is our biggest lead generator. Because of course, I'm asking new clients, how did you hear about us? And uh, the majority is via web search. So I think that's important. That's not something that I anticipated up front. I'm just running around taking care of everybody's dogs and trying to figure out, okay, (laughs) now what? Um, So the website made a huge difference uh, with regard to my presence and ability to grow. And I didn't realize how important that would be later. It's critically important to me now. 
it's it's grabbing leads. Uh, in addition to client referrals and presence on Facebook and um uh, all those referral partners we talked about, getting on the preferred list for the veterinarians and the groomers, et cetera. But the website is our biggest lead generator. I didn't realize how important that would be early on, and it is really important to me now. Getting good software, I didn't realize how important that would be early on until it became just a massive amount of white paper that I could no longer control. And... (laughs) So those two things um, that I feel are worth the investment, absolutely worth the investment. Education. We never stop learning. We can all have our glory moments when we're kicking up our heels, patting ourselves on the back. We're the greatest thing since sliced bread because we're nailing it. And that's what we're hired to do. And we need to know that we're nailing this, right? You've got to be your own cheerleader. But at the same time, there is so much to learn. The pet sitting industry is so vast. There are so many topics out there. Trends are changing. There are things that I'm learning today that never occurred to me five years ago. Gee, how worried should I be about uh, foxtails? getting in a dog's paw while we're walking, et cetera, so on. Um, and that was just a random example. But it, yeah. we never stop learning, and I think it's important to constantly stay educated. So, yes, you're tired at the end of the day. You just walked eight dogs. You just had, you know, eight dogs picked up in your home. Whatever's going on uh, in your world, take time for yourself, self-care, set boundaries, and never stop learning. So seek out those resources to educate yourself so that you are better prepared to handle that situation that's around the corner you've never faced before. Tori, I absolutely love that. And I'm thank- so thankful for your time today talking to us about your experiences, uh, some of the ups and some of the downs and growing and always learning and staying positive by reaching forward to something else. Um, I know there's a lot here and we, you know, there's a lot more, as you mentioned, there's always something new. So um, how can people get in touch with you and follow along with all the cool stuff that you're doing these days? Thank you for asking because uh, as I shared with you, I am very hands-on, very hands-on. Uh, my nannies, by the way, are my family. I'm having a soiree on Sunday, and they'll be coming over for pie and ice cream. Um, I am so hands-on that I would encourage anyone who has questions or needs a little assistance, they are welcome to call me. My phone number. This is my business landline dedicated for Doolittle's Doghouse, but I am present Monday through Friday. Remember, I take weekends off. 480-907-6400. My email is my name, T-O-R-I, at doolittlesdoghouse.com. And let me spell that. It's a mouthful. D is in dog, O-O-L-I-T-T-L-E-S, doghouse.com. And I'm also launching a trade association for pet sitters. So I'm really looking to expand on my experiences, my desire to help others, packing 15 years of 
uh, professional pet care into the association of pet professionals. That email address is info at association of pet professionals.com. And I am here to help anyone I can in any way. I'm simply looking to be the best I can be in this wonderful journey of pet care. And I want to help others be the best they can be in their journey. It's that simple. Awesome. I love it. I love it, Tori. Um, I will have links to everything in the show notes yeah. and, and on our website so people can go and check out uh, your your business, the Doolittle's Doghouse and the Association of Pet Professionals uh, and get connected with you right there. So, Tori, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate everything that you are doing in your pet sitting journey and with Pet Sitter Confessional to help pet sitters achieve new heights, bigger and better. When we talk about raising the bar in pet care, it's a phrase we hear thrown out all of the time. What I think it really means is that we are taking ourselves more seriously and we are viewing ourselves as a professional and we treat ourselves as such. It means we do invest in that education. It means we do set those boundaries. Why do we do those? So that when we show up for our clients, because we're always going to show up, but when we show up for our clients, we are at our best. We know those few moments that we have with that pet during the visit, that those are utterly critical and we have to make the most of that time with them. That's the promise that we made to the clients when they hired us. We have to show up well-rested, well-educated, and in the zone, ready to do those visits. That is a major aspect of what it means for us personally to be raising the bar, is to show up ready and more than prepared, but energized and ready to go. We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet, and the Peaceful Pet Music, Call Music for Pets YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. Thank <laughs> you.